0: Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Roker Report podcast in association with the Sunland Community Soup Kitchen. It's Gav back after Sunland's draw at the Rico Arena. I think it's still called no. that.
1: No, what's no, it called no. now? Coventry Building Society Bank. Well, I'm not stadium. calling it
0: that. I'm not calling that. Chris <laughs> by the way. And we, we drew at the, whatever it's called, stadium with Coventry. <laughs> um Road. Road.
1: Yeah, let will just there. call
0: it that. Whatever. You know, it's in Coventry. It's a stadium in Coventry. That's where we played the game. Um, but yeah, it was a, a nil-nil draw. And anybody who somehow managed to avoid the result and only hear about it first when they turned on this podcast <laughs> might want to turn away and think, oh, another boring game. Well, it, It wasn't really boring. It was actually quite interesting. It was a good game for a Uh, nil-nil. End-to-end, certainly in the second half. At times, I was on the edge of my seat. At times, I was actually on the floor because I couldn't sit on the edge of my seat anymore. I was actually sitting on the floor, nibbling away at my fingernails. But yeah, it was a pretty decent game, I guess, wasn't it, Chris? I mean, I said on the um, Twitter space that we did on Friday night before the game that I'd snap your arm off for a draw and that I would snap your arm off for a clean sheet. And we got both. So I'm fairly happy, if I'm honest, I think a point away at Coventry, given the state of our record there, ain't a bad result. And as Tony Mowbray pointed out in his post-match interview, they've just battered Middlesbrough there, although everyone seems to be battering Middlesbrough at the minute, but still, you know, they've (laughs) just battered Middlesbrough 3-0 at their place. So they're a good team. They've got players on the pitch who can change games. They've spent a lot of money. And um, we knew it was going to be tough, given that they were literally a kick away from the Premier League last year. So we know what Coventry are all about. So
1: all things considered, a good point, you think? Uh, well, nibbling away at your fingernails you'll have been surrounded with tubs of Pringles, man, sitting on the floor, <laughs> chomping, chomping away nervously. No, I, don't, but, um, I, don't, I don't eat yeah.
0: snacks during the game, because it, it can lead to a bad belly when you're trying to record these
1: podcasts. <laughs> so Any excuse? Yeah. Uh, I It was good result. I mean... It, like you said, we you know, before the game you'd have you'd have snapped your hand off for, for a draw. So yeah, you've got to you've got to say, well, good result. because and I think it's one of them where you look at the end of the season and you look back and you think you take a point from Coventry City away and you'll probably see where they are in the table at the end and you'll think, Oh god, yeah, we did well to take a point there. The other positive is that in some ways and listening to Tony Mowbray after the game, the squad especially feel this, but I think most fans who watch the game there's a slight feeling that we could have taken three points. I think at times you're watching the game and you thought, you know, it's there there for the taking, but it it started off quite cagey and it ended up this game of basketball going kind of without anybody in the middle of the pitch. It went Hmm. all strange. The tempo of the game was all strange. I know Mowbray mentioned how warm it was in Coventry. Uh, I mean, I'm down in Sheffield and uh, it's a bit of a, you know, it's kind of overcast and all that sort of stuff. It's not exactly roasting the day but he said it was warm in Coventry and it looked that way by the way the players were were playing that looked that looked absolutely knackered by the end but it wasn't a particularly quick game it was just a really really strange game and uh, either side, I think actually if you if you listen to Mark Robbins which I haven't after the game I imagine he sounds pretty similar to Tony Mowbray he'll probably think they could have taken all three points as well it was one of those strange games.
0: Yeah that was that was my assessment of it that if either team had had a bit of quality, that it probably would have been a 1-0 win either way. It it could have went either way. And I think in the end, a draw was probably the fair result. But Coventry, considering they've spent money on their team, yes, they've lost quality, but they've spent money on their team. I think if I was a Coventry fan, I'd feel more disappointed than we do because they've just spent somewhere between 15 and 20 million on two centre-forwards who were nowhere near it. I mean, Ellis Sims started the game. We know all about Ellis Sims, but... I thought Dan Ballard had him in his back pocket. I thought I thought he was nowhere near. And, and you, you look at Luke O'Nine's performance, the pair of them in the second half were brilliant, I thought. And particularly O'Nine's come under a bit of scrutiny recently because Mowbray's publicly supported O'Nine and then the decision to start him over Danny Bart, who's a really popular player. He was voted Fans Player of the Year last year. And, and with that comes a bit of pressure because then O9 needs to deliver and prove that he should be starting games ahead of somebody who... We all know brings quality, and I thought you know first half, mainly, actually, when every time Coventry were launching the ball into the box, and giving us problems, it was all whose head was in the way. I thought, I thought the pair of them were brilliant, the two centre halves, and it, you know that that was a real positive for me. That against some quality players, we, I do think Ellis Sims is a quality player. Hadrian Wright's an international who's scored goals in other leagues and stuff, but he's a he's a good player. Matt Godden is a goal... You know, Mowbray mentioned all of these players in his post match interview. Because they've got goals in them. And I think a big part of the reason we got the point was due to our defenders, who played fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, it's it's a great point. And you're absolutely right. And that's going to be a positive for us in a way. And I'll come on to the defence in a minute. But also, if you look, we went there and got a goalless draw. But we're, we're seeing, oh, there's a tinge of disappointment that we didn't go on and win the game. But we know in the back of our minds that we still haven't got that kind of finalised squad that we're going to move forward with for the rest of the season. And, you know, we've, we've almost got a makeshift well, we have got a <laughs> makeshift front line, you know, Bradley Dack and uh, and Job Bellingham isn't going to be kind of our lead front line, the furthest two up the pitch moving forward this season. And and we'll probably come on, them, but I don't think we'll see, bar all that often on the right hand side either. But, you know, so at least we know there's a reason for, for not scoring because we're having problems mm-hmm. that end of the pitch. But as you said, at the other end of the pitch, like I said, Coventry aren't going to have many games this season where they're not going to, where they're not going to score. I mean, that trio, like you said, of Palmer, Gordon, and Sims that they started with, I mean, they're, they're probably three of the, the better kind of attacking players in the championship all playing together. And you're absolutely right bringing up Ballard 09 and especially second half, as you said, but actually throughout the game. I mean, to limit Coventry to the few chances that they had, they, all right, they had, they had one or two half chances, but then I think Sims broke through once or twice Patterson had to make a couple of saves. But generally... I thought we were really solid, but not only Ballard and O'Neill, I thought if you look at the work rate Equa had to go through to nullify Palmer behind those two, mm-hmm. I thought Ekwa was brilliant at doing that. And I thought I thought a lot of his work went under the radar a little bit because yeah, yeah. that, that mm-hmm. tussle with... I, I mean, I suppose it kind of came to the fore when they both got booked for hammering into each other in the first half and they had to calm down a little bit. But I thought that was a really good battle and it, it's good to see Ekwa when somebody puts it on him like that, you know, and really tries to rough him up a little bit, that he's up for the challenge. Because I think we haven't seen that too many times from Equa He's been more of a, you know, stepping in and intercepting the player and being a bit clever about things. But he was really physical. I mean, it's really good to see from Ballard 09 and Ekwa that when they're playing up against quality players in this division, that they can hold their own.
0: Yeah, yeah. I thought Ekwa had a great game. And Palmer, for me, was... Were- was probably up until the point he got took off, which actually surprises, was the yeah. probably the best player on the park. First half he was fantastic. He always plays well against Sunderland. Comedy fans might tell us he, you know, he's inconsistent or he's not had the great greatest start of the season or whatever. But I can only go but go off what I've seen. And, you know, I every time I watch him, I always, I think, oh, I'd love to have him in our team. Yeah. Really good player carrying the ball, breaking up the play, just sort of linking attack and defence. He's he's a he's a cracking player and he in first half oh. I thought he was the big difference maker for Coventry. They just shaded it first half in terms of the the overall outlook of the game, I felt, and he was the main reason why that was for me.
1: Yeah. Well it just goes to show, doesn't it? They brought Palmer off and, and probably the same reason as Ekwa, because Ekwa got brought off two minutes later. But they were both on a yellow card and they were both kind of pushing it to to the limit. And I think Robbins and Mowbray got a bit tetchy about them. <laughs> go down to 10 men so <laughs> I mean but but it just goes to show that their strength and depth I mean you're looking at you know we're still kind of sorting our squad out for you know hopefully we'll see what happens this week but with you know Palmer being brought off Ayari I'm going to say I don't know whether I've said that but you know him <laughs> coming on to replace him I mean you know he was a good player and actually they had their record transfer fee which they spent on right they brought him in from Turkey USA International and he came on for Sims, which I was a bit surprised at as well because I thought Sims was was looking a bit dangerous. I was quite pleased when he went off. But if you look at the, I mean, that, that's some strength and depth that, you know, when they've got those three players that started, two more that came on, you know, Coventry threw everything at us. And yeah, to hold up and get a goalless draw, I think, you know, it's a, it's a good result. Yeah, you mentioned
0: earlier about Abdullah Bar, so let's talk about it. I do not want to hammer him because he's a young lad. He's barely played for us, really, and... <laughs> He's not a right winger, is he? Let's be honest. No. He doesn't have the decisiveness of that type of player. I, I think he looks he looks nice sometimes with the ball at his feet. He, he, he can dribble the ball. I think he, you know, he technically he's decent, but I mean it, it doesn't have highlight the difference between a proper right winger when you see Patrick Roberts one week and then him the next. Mm-hmm. So so indecisive at times for me. It was there was moments where he was on the ball where he was holding on to it too much. There was times in the first half where he was crossing it into the box when there was nobody there. And then the big moment for me was the one in the second half where he's two on, well, basically two-on-one. I can't remember who the player is that's advancing with him. It might be Bellingham. And um, it was. Yeah, it was. he's got a good four or five seconds to pass it, waits as long as he possibly can, and then plays it straight off the country defender. If that's Patrick Roberts in that situation, we score from that. Or, or we at least get a shot away. I mean... I think at this level you've got to be better than that in those moments and like I say I'm not I'm to be honest I don't necessarily blame Barr all that much because I think in, you know he's it's a bit of a difficult situation for him because he's he's quite clearly out of position but it seems that we're trying to make him play this role now which he just isn't suited to I, I, we've talked about this loads over the last year or two in that we just don't really know what he is, what is he? where are he? he plays, he? what does he what does he do? Like we do, I can see I can see something there, but it isn't as a right winger. It's never gonna be as a right winger. I think he's played there out of necessity today, but at half time I would have took him off and tried something else because it was just not working and yeah I fell from a bit I like I say I don't want people to hear us say these things and think oh he's, he's probably laying in isn't the lad yeah I'm like I'm not because I actually just I feel a bit sorry for him actually I, I think he been put into a bit of a naff situation there. And the manager should have recognised that earlier, I think. If I was going to be critical, actually, I would say that Mowbray should have brought him off a little bit earlier and and just took the blame oh. for maybe putting him there and said, sorry, son. I, but, I know that there's been a bit of a... There was something after the last game, wasn't there, where bar? he was a bit frustrated he didn't get on, I think. And hmm. um, he was pictured talking to Kirill in the car park for a good hour after the game. I don't know whether he's a bit frustrated at the minute with just not playing, but it's never going to work as him as a right winger. You you know, you said it It was a makeshift front line of Bellingham and Dak. I don't think that really worked, but I don't think it helped that Barr was out there on the right either. You know, I said at the top of this, a bit more quality We might we might have won the game. That, that, for me, was where we were really lacking.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you, you you pretty much said it all about Barr there. I mean, what is he? We still don't know. I think, he, you know, whenever we see him, he looks technically good on the ball, you know, and he kind of knows what to do with a football. <laughs> but I don't know, it just, it seems like when he comes into a 11 against 11 game, he doesn't know where he should be. I genuinely think he looked lost at times. And I, I kind of suggested on when we were talking on spaces that maybe if we were going to put him in, if we we're going to put him in for Roberts, that we should maybe change the shape and maybe have bar more centrally and kind of maybe not kind of have an out and outright winger and, we could have went to wing backs and played bar centrally or something like that. Something a little bit different. Maybe, you know, Clark played left wing back at times last season. Maybe he could have done something there. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, the point is that sticking bar on the right touchline. And again, we, we touched on it before the game that he's just it, that's not his position. And not only going forward, which, you know, again, he just kind of looked lost going one-on-one with the defender. He just didn't look comfortable. You just didn't have any confidence in getting past the defender. But the other problem was, and and we nearly got caught out for it in the first half, was that going the other way. Barr did not have a clue what his responsibility was on the right-hand side. And we nearly got Mm -hmm. caught out. I mean, Hume was virtually on his own. And there was times when there was a player making an overlap. and, And Hume was just on his own. He was split by two players because Barr was out of position. And there was times when even when Barr got back, he was pretty just. He was just ineffective. He might as well not have been there at times. And like I said, I, I don't want to kind of. I'm not kind of laying into him. I, I agree with you. I, I don't blame him. I just. I I don't think he's been managed very well. I I don't think he's been helped out by playing him up top last season on his own when when it was the the need for that out wide. But at the same time, he's got to put some work in and, and, and work on a position and work on his actual kind of gameplay because he it, it, when you're talking about individual game management, I mean, Bar, if he's playing out wide, he's got to know what he's doing and he's got to know where mm-hmm. he should be at any given time when, when we're not in the possession of the football and uh, yeah, I, I just think he looked lost and and when, we, when he did get into good positions and to be fair, he did get into good positions with the ball in possession but his final product, I mean, the, that low cross in, to be fair, was a half decent ball in across the box, and a decent striker might have been onto it, but the one which he just smashed across the across the face of goal, and the one you mentioned where Job was waiting in the middle for a simple pass, and he was completely free in the middle, yeah, um, I'd like to say, I'd, I'm, I'm struggling not to go in too hard, but uh, I'm struggling to see where Barr goes from here, to be honest.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, we've got, one more game, I think, and then Roberts will be back. I think the Southampton game next week he's definitely out of that one, but you know we might sign somebody before then that can play in the game, and you might not see Barr playing that in, in that Southampton game i I wouldn't anyways if I'm honest. I mean, yeah. Pritchard came on and I know that I know there's a bit of speculation over his future and whether he's 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 gonna stay before the end of the window, but to me when he came on we we just saw an improvement in the quality in the final third. He got on the ball. He, he he tried to dictate things. He, you know, he 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 just looked busy. And I couldn't say the same about Dak Oba. If yeah. I'm honest, Dak's still not fit for me. I, I seventy odd minutes we got out of him. Uh, you know, I think I think under different circumstances, Pritchard would be starting because he's fitter than him. And at the minute, he's just a little bit sharper. And uh, I I would have, I I would have liked to have seen Pritchard on the pitch a little bit earlier. The other subs he made, he brought on Huggins and. I think he played centre-mid. I don't know about that. Like, I mean, did he just come on out of necessity again because there weren't, there weren't loads of options on the bench? I don't know. And and then Hemir came on, and this is the the big one for me because we, again, on Twitter Spaces on Friday night, I think the consensus was amongst the panel that we'd all start Hemia or we, we'd like to see him start because we need to just see some consistency at the top end of the pitch. And it's all right sitting there going, we need strikers. We do. We need Stuart back. We could do with signing someone. My end is not too far away. and It would be nice to see him involved. We need options is what we need. But while you've only got one of them, I think you've got to, you've got to try and fit him into the team. And to me, we, me and you just talked about this before we came on. Chris, I don't mind sharing these thoughts on the record either. But And, and I've said this a little bit over recent weeks. I don't think he's been managed well. People, people are going to have watched him come off the bench in the last few games and probably aren't impressed. And I've not been impressed particularly, but I think given the... We don't read too much into performances in pre-season, I know, but he scored four goals in pre-season and he played pretty much every every game, you know, and, and started in that Mallorca game, which was the, the one we took a little bit more seriously and looked okay against experienced central defenders. And then he, it just feels like he's been knocked down several pegs, confidence-wise as well, you know. For me, he, he must have been flying coming out of pre-season. New club, straight through the door, scoring goals in pre-season, fit, seemingly fitting in really well. I'm thinking, great, we've signed we've signed a good player, yeah. He's gonna be he's gonna be effective. I, I remember seeing in the pre sort of season pods that I thought, well, he'll be coming into the new season with a bit of confidence. Look at where we are now, just weeks later with this lad. Like I it, it feels feels like he's been badly managed to me. I mean I get that to think he might not be quite ready, but when the alternative is playing a seventeen-year-old attacking midfield player as your number nine, who, to be fair, scored two goals last week, but you know I wouldn't have, I still wouldn't have started him up front in this game. When that's the alternative, it's what does that say to Samir?
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I genuinely think. I mean, again, it might be it's just because of the suddenness of of the whole thing, but it's almost as if something happened after the Ipswich game. He just got bombed. Where something happened, and Mowbray's, you know, feelings about Hamir just suddenly changed. Because, like I said, it was all about Hamir in preseason. Ipswich. To be fair, that Ipswich game, I know some people gave him stick, but I, I honestly thought it was the supply to him. I thought there was absolutely nothing that was supplied to him whatsoever. I, I didn't blame the lad for his performance against Ipswich whatsoever. I thought actually he looked, he looked up for it early on and looked like he was pressing quite well. And from just to be suddenly bombed out. For a half-fit Bradley Duck to play up top, it's just odd. It's just bizarre. And and I mean, if he if he reacted to that, I kind of don't blame him. I really don't blame him. I mean, I mean, he, he he probably had. I mean, I know the manager's the manager and he decides, but you know, surely he's got to ask the question. You know, if he's a kind of professional and you know wanting to to push himself and and all that sort of stuff, he's got to knock on the manager's door for, if that's you know the case, but. I mean who knows what happened but it's something just doesn't seem right and I, I mentioned to you I might be the, the camera went on Hamir after the final whistle and his chin just like looked like he was it was hitting the floor his head was down and there was actually a Coventry player went up to him and that to kind of slapped him on the back and tried to get him it was almost like he was encouraging him and I I, I was trying to look before to see if, like he, he played with anybody before there was any portuguese player I didn't know of or something like that because it seemed like you Know he was so down that this player seemed to be picking him up, and it, it was just really odd, but yeah. And, and going on to Bradley Dack because he, he was kind of taking his position, and he was so kind of ineffective in that role, he had to swap with a 17 year old. But for me, when Pritchard came on, Pritchard did more in 20 minutes than Dack did in 70. And I know, I know there's things going on with Pritchard, and who knows what's going to happen there, but if for you know, for Pritchard just to come on that those last twenty minutes when, Dak for for all he, he was trying things and there was a couple of balls over the top to Bellingham which were pretty close, but other than that he didn't get on the ball enough and uh, and yeah, I mean Pritchard Pritchard looked looked sharper than him. But the other thing, I mean, going on to just you mentioned Huggins and when Equa came off and trying to put someone in that central field. I mean people people at the minute all the focus is on a striker. I think we desperately need a central midfielder. Because at the minute, you've got Dan Neil and Ekra in there as as players who can play central midfield. And I'm not talking about that advanced role that we've got all those players who can play there, like Dak, like Pritchard, like Bellingham, like players who can sit and win the ball and do the dirty stuff in the middle of the park. And we've got... if Today, we, we wanted to bring Ekra off because he'd gone through so much work and he was on a yellow card. And we have to turn to a fullback back to bring on as a, to someone who can sit in front of that back four. And I think this week, I think we're as desperate for a central midfielder as we are for a striker.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I know we said before we recorded we would avoid the transfer talk, but as a general, yeah, is it, we, we do. We need a central midfielder. I, I'm quite happy to go forward with Neil and Ekwa as the, oh, yeah. as the yeah. you know first-choice pair. I, I think long-term, that has to be the pairing. They do complement each other really well. You can see them both improving. Um, I've, I've definitely seen improvement in Dan Neal in the last couple of weeks. I think he's played... I mean, that was his best performance for a long time. Definitely my man in the match. I thought he was really good. Um, Pierre Ecouard, to be honest, since he, since he came into the team end of last season, I think he's been fairly consistent. we have got to remember, he's, he's very, very inexperienced. He's probably played somewhere in the region of, what, 20 games? He's, he's probably... About as experienced in terms of senior football as, as Bellingham is, so you've got to, And you know we we talk about how how young Bellingham is, and he, yeah, he's, he's you know three three four years younger than Ekwa, whatever it is. But in terms of how much football he's actually played, they're probably on a similar similar level. So you kind of do have to remember that when you. Th- <laughs> it's weird with Ekwu because I I think in my own head I've to me he's just. He's advanced that quickly that I, f- yeah. I forget that. But there's going to be a point in the season where he needs to be pulled out of the team and we need options. And yeah, signing this central midfield player is just as important as getting a striker in for me. You could argue, and I get pelt us for this, but you could argue more important, you know, yeah. <laughs> because we've got two strikers coming back after the international break. We're going to have three of them. We're probably going to sign one. We've only got two central midfield players. There's two positions there. You know, Embleton's not too far away, but and I, you yeah, know he's, he's played there sending, quite a bit. But he's not he's not the he's answer not there exactly. The he's not, but I can see them playing him there because he's played there before. But yeah, we've we've got we've got recruitment to do this week, obviously. And let's like say we didn't want to get in too much into it on this pod because <laughs> there's going to be more coming up as the week goes on and what have you. Um, but you know, generally you're right. Yeah, we 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 need players through the door, and um, you know, taking that into account, I actually think. All things considered, we haven't had a bad start of the season. You know, I, I think this was a good point. Like, we we discussed this ahead of the game. I would have took this result and snapped your arm off and said, "Thank you very much." We'll take a point home with us and and move on to the next one. And I think that's what we've got to do. You know, I think there are positives to take out the game, plenty of them. We've learned quite a lot about players like Bar. We've learned quite a lot about how fit some players are. I think you know this was the. This was the first time when I've seen Ballard and 0-9 together where they've really looked like a pair. You can see them you can see them starting to create some sort of partnership. Um, and it was, another thing that was interesting, that 0-9 played on the right of the two this time. He has previously played on the left of the defence, but he's played on the right today and he's done magnificently. So I'm over the moon with the point. And yeah, let's move on. Let's move on to the next game. And by the time we play Southampton, let's hope we've got a handful of players in who can... Maybe feature in that game and give us the boost because that's going to be a tough match, isn't it? So, yeah, I think all things considered, Chris, we're, we're happy with that. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're happy to just take the point and move on.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, we, we would have, as we said, taken it beforehand. Um, it's a good, like, like I said, I'm convinced we'll we'll look back at it as a good point. But it's just, it's just the the four points out of the last two games would have looked a lot better if we'd taken, you know, two three four points out of the first two games wouldn't it that's that's the that's the kind of frustration mm-hmm. at the minute but but I mean you're talking about the start we've had and and what we're learning and and you're absolutely right and actually in some some ways as frustrating as the transfer window is that it goes into the season I think actually it might have helped us because we've seen some of these players how they've reacted to you know first team football we've seen the actual problems we've got we've seen where we're short purely because of games. That might actually lead to us you know doing maybe something different that we wouldn't have done before the ipswich game, uh, and I'm you know, and, mm-hmm. and we talked about we'll see where we are for the Southampton game, and I'm convinced, uh, yeah, I, I mean we'll see what happens, but i'm I'm convinced there's a they're waiting for famous last words, but like an I <laughs> to come off. and i'm I'm convinced there's something the the they're waiting for because actually if you if you look at the Coventry game, it stood out to me that. A lot of a lot of what happened in the game against Coventry wasn't that different uh what happened in games last season. And what happened was quite often, Ahmad masked quite a few issues that we had in the final third, because there was games where we couldn't break teams down and we were struggled against them. we weren't creating that many chances. And then Ahmad would do something, or Ahmad would work with Roberts on the on the right hand side and they'd just they'd do something amazing, or Ahmad would ping one in from twenty five yards, or you know he would produce something. And I think Ahmad masked so many issues last season that we, we have to try and solve them. And at the minute, we're, we're still yeah. trying to work out how, how to do that. And we're still trying to work out who the players are to, to get those goals, to open that door when we're struggling to, to get that opening goal. Because we're the type of team, when we get ahead, we actually then build up in confidence and we win quite comfortably. It's just getting that opener and breaking teams down to start with.
0: Yeah, well, we'll round off with some three-word reviews from the Roker Report Twitter page. Uh, We'll start off with Eddie J. Campbell, who says, good away point. CL says, Coventry jinx endless. Yep, still without a win (laughs) at Coventry since 1985. That continues on for at least another year or so. Yeah, we'll take it. Uh, David, who is at die73, says, good away point. Martin Parker says, uh, he's got two for us, striker score goals and goals win games. Uh, Steve Richardson, lacked cutting edge. Old Pat Mowbray, Ballard's Big Bollocks, like that alliteration. Uh, Glenn Fez says, Nout up top. David McCluskey says, Hemia off as Nout, bit harsh. Uh, Max Max Hannigan says, Obvious where Latin. Uh, Julio says, Very good point. Lots of them are basically the same about strikers, so I'll not read them all out. Uh, John <laughs> at Rama says, Great away point. Johnny Young says, Patterson 09 Ballard, and then there's a fist emoji at the end, so I'm guessing he means they're pretty hard. Um, Ryan, at Lord Pidge, says, we'll take that. Cadbury Egg Inc. says, clean sheet, finally. Kingy says, still no striker. Michael Bowers says, clean effing sheet. Uh, Ian Tomlinson, a.k.a. Savory Dip, says, need an outlet. Uh, Jono the Matrim says, we'll take that. Harold says, Sims not missed. Ouch. Yeah, it mm. definitely wasn't missed. I, I, based on what I saw today, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we didn't pay... 8 million quid from, him. Um, yep. Jonathan Randolph says please stay Pritchard. Uh, Jen says PPP, Please play Pritchard. Easy for you to say. Uh, Joe Graham says no cutting edge. Darren Burke says solid as fuck. Uh, Josh Hutchinson says Crossham was shot in. Mark Joblin says Sims, eight million. Jay at John Dawson says bar needs selling. Wow. Another one which says bar is need, turd. Need a buyer. I know, I know. Yeah, so I mean, they're all pretty much along those lines. Not as many positive ones as I was expecting. Maybe we, maybe we're just really positive, Chris, and maybe we're out of touch. Maybe we're out of touch,
1: and you know, I don't know. I think probably a good side. (laughs) Good, good point for me.
0: Yeah, good point. Okay, we'll be back later in the week with something. I'm sure. Um, it's a bit of a weird week with us having the transfer deadline on the night before. The Southampton game. So what we do between now and then I don't know. Just keep an eye on our Twitter page for for more Roker Report content. We're gonna have stuff on the website every day throughout the week, as we always do. Articles from fans just like you and me. If you want to write something actually, you, you can email us Report at yahoo.co.uk. Uh, drop us an article if you want to blog to go up on the website. We're very happy to publish anyone's opinion even if it's extreme as long as it's within the boundaries of taste and all the rest of it you know on friday night on deadline day we'll be doing a bonzer edition of the Roker report friday night live we'll probably be going live around about seven o'clock which is an hour earlier than we normally do take you through the the final hours of the transfer window, uh, reacting to things as they go on and, and, and as they happen as we do every single transfer window. So make sure you uh, you catch us over on the Rota Report Twitter page for that. If anybody doesn't know what a space is, it's basically a live podcast. They are available to, to listen back to afterwards as well, but you can listen in live. So while you've got Sky Sports News rolling on your TV, just stick it on mute, put us on your, on your smartphone or your PC and listen to us as we react to all the news coming through from the championship, the big transfers going on in the Premier League and of course whatever happens at Sunland, if anything does happen the last transfer window now happened on deadline day and we still managed to make it quite entertaining so um, <laughs> the other caveat is that you can uh, you can get involved as well so you can hit request to speak and you can get involved in the chat and you can be a part of the show so why not do that anyways I've, I've talked quite a lot Then, if you're still <laughs> here thank you very much thank you Chris thank you as always mate and thank you to the listeners we'll catch you next time